loving our kids is not enough. We owe it to them to chase our dreams, to be our best self so that they will follow along. Because even I found with my business or coaching, I had doubts that, you know, well, what if I can't help someone? What if, you know, nutritionally, what if, what if I don't give them the right advice, right? But if my kids came to me and they had those concerns of, well, what if I'm not good enough? I was like, but what if you're really great? But I want them to see me doing the same thing. And they emulate what you do, not what you say. So to me, that was my biggest motivation for you better chase your dreams. Because if you want them to chase theirs, you need to lead the way for them. You're listening to My Evolved Life, a podcast that simplifies health and fitness and helps you maximize your life. My name is Vuna Nguyen, and I'm the creator of the Evolution Training System. We're so lucky to be living in the information age, meaning it's easier than ever to access information and find answers to any questions you may have. But isn't it confusing when you read information that's conflicting or worse yet, just sounds wrong? I'll be sitting down with industry professionals to give you clarity and leave you with tangible actions you can take immediately to improve your physical, mental, and psychological health. Today's guest is Laura Davies. Laura is a nutrition and mindset coach who believes that being healthy and fit starts with having a healthy mind. She is driven by a desire to help empower people to love themselves enough to prioritize their health. She aspires to help instill in other women the mindset, the confidence, and the power to thrive in their everyday lives. It is with absolute pleasure that I have Laura on the show. So Thank Laura, you. welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I know that you're of the belief that having a positive mindset and having self-confidence is really a matter of choice. Everybody can have them as long as they put in the intentional practice. So I can't wait to dive into that. <laughs> but before we do, let's take a short dive into Laura. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the person that you are today. Well, I uh, started in university and I took psychology and sociology. And I really enjoyed learning about people, the brain and how we all work. And uh, especially how people want to be involved in community and people thrive off that. And my main goal was to be a psychologist. And I quickly learned, especially through hockey, because I played hockey there, um, was that I found it hard to not take on energies and take them home. So I was kind of like back and forth of what I wanted to do after university. And so I finished my degree and being in like the health and wellness world, I was finding myself, I was constantly looking at nutritional things and things like that. And I was like, I really love this. Now I decided that um, being a dietitian wasn't something I really wanted to do because I started to really dive into like the holistic side, especially after doing fitness competing and things like that. Um, so I researched some schools and I went to the natural nutrition school in Halifax and that was life-changing for me. Uh, we really dove into not only nutrition, but mindset and spirituality and all of that. So that was something that um, really kind of filled that void for me but it was always kind of like 
I really enjoyed working with clients. I loved the nutrition side, but every time I was in an office with someone, I found I was doing counseling a little bit more. We were diving into a lot of um, mental things, mental blocks, things like that. So I wanted to be able to provide that for my clients. And that's when in the last couple of years, I decided to take an online course um, through actually someone local in Halifax. And um, yeah, it was totally everything I was looking for. And was then I was able to provide that to my clients. And I thought, this is amazing. And it wasn't quite the same as being a psychologist. So it was, I, I was able to kind of dive into what is my ideal client and who I can help provide for a little bit better than, than I could dig into those pain points and then know that what I would be able to offer them was something that I was more specialized in than just taking on a wide variety. So that's kind of where I got with that. And then, of course, having kids, that totally changed everything for me. Yeah. So um, that's when I really started to realize how much support moms need. And not just nutritionally, but after you have kids, you realize that, you know, life has changed so much. And all you hear is like, yay, here comes a baby. Yay, this is going to be great and fun. But people kind of forget to tell you all the other things that come along with that. So that's when I decided that that was kind of more of like my niche of where I wanted to be because I wanted to help those moms who would have gone through the same things that maybe weren't brought up or they were afraid to research or look into. And that's kind of where I started to specialize. And that's kind of what led me here today. So it really just hit close to home, being a mother yourself and understanding, walking in those shoes, having walked through in those shoes, having gone through the overwhelm, if you will, to understand that women other mothers they've they're going to experience the same and you have the skills and the experience to help them yeah i really like that now you use the term um you said mindset or mental block you said mental block let's talk let's talk specifically about women or mothers if if you want to go even more specific what tends to be the mental blocks for this demographic mom guilt (laughs) Big time, mom guilt. And I think it stems from once you have the baby, then everything becomes about the baby and everyone focuses on the baby. And when you start to then want to uh, do things for yourself again, or you're trying to take care of yourself and you kind of like, well, I'm going to go do this and then the baby cries. Oh, well, I feel guilty. Or someone else has to help me. And the first thing a lot of women do is they don't ask for help and they don't want to receive help because... They feel guilt. And one of the biggest things I work with women on now is self-care isn't selfish. And if you can't take care of you, you can't take care of anyone else. And that may mean asking for more help, taking breaks. But of course, you owe, and I still feel mom guilt when I go out, of course, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But it's come to a point where I see how much it benefits my kids because And that was a big thing that hit me as well was you can tell your kids, oh, you should do this or this is good. And you you think what, you know, this -hmm. is good for you. But they don't go by what you say. They go by what you do. So if you aren't doing those things, how can we really teach our kids? So it's kind of getting past that, like mom guilt of I need to do this, not just for me, but I need to show my kids what a healthy lifestyle is taking care of themselves. We want them to take care of them. 
we got to show them how to do it, mm-hmm. not tell them. So that's, that's a big one, I think, for moms. So mom guilt is a term that comes up very, very often nowadays. And the problem is, though, it's not as easy as just identifying that you have mom guilt and just somehow magically getting past this guilt, mm-hmm. right? You do at times need that external help. And I think that's where a coach can be very, very helpful. So before we get into any methodologies and, 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 and tactics, let's talk a little bit about coaching. Yep. Your role as a coach, what do you do? What do you offer to your clients? So the first thing we'll do is do like a discovery call. So even like nutritionally or anything, I like to set up a discovery call because I'm not, I, until I hear someone's pain points, I can't tell them I'm going to help them. Sure. And even if we have a call and I can't help them, I have a wide network of people that I will gladly send them to. So we set up a discovery call. We kind of hit on their pain points. I just say, you know, if you could change your life today or if you're thinking of your biggest problem, fear, roadblock right now, what is it? And I just try and let them go and let them. And I say, like, no judgment. I just want you to let it out. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where we start is it'll start with, well, I know working out's good for me, but I'm tired. I don't have time. I know I should be cooking better, but I feel bad. I'm feeding my kids this and I feel guilt and stuff. And they kind of get in that spiral and it's such a, like, a, it's, a, it's a cycle that's really hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. So um, we kind of dive into that first. And sometimes it is just, okay, well, let's do a nutrition consult and let's start, let's start there. Get you eating healthy, feeling better. Sometimes it is... Um, you know, something like the mom code, which is a program that I designed to help. We do one-on-one coaching, but then we also do group things so we connect with other moms and because sometimes moms get stuck at home sure, and they just want to feel that sense of belonging again. So even if we can do it online with other women, that's wonderful too. But um, one-on-one coaching I've found has been really beneficial for women because it Mm -hmm. allows them that time where maybe they don't want to complain to somebody, you know, they, they feel blessed. They have kids and they have this, but they need to sometimes let some things out and know that that's okay too. Mm -hmm. So the one-on-one coaching I found, um, has been one of the best (laughs) avenues for women just because it gives them that sounding board that they may not really have or feel like maybe they don't have at home or from a friend or something, or just need someone that says like, that's okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. I felt that way too. And so many times it's just that connection of, oh, I went through that too. Oh yeah. I was angry too. Oh yeah. I was, you know, sad too. And they're like, oh really? Thank you. Okay. And they just want to hear that they're normal, that there's still, it's still normal to feel these feelings. It's, it's normal to feel the guilt. And you know, how can we start to release some of that guilt? And so sometimes it's, I don't want to go back to work or I don't enjoy being home and, mm-hmm. or things like that. And that's okay. So let's figure out some ways that we can change things for you. Yeah. And sometimes people just feel really stuck mm-hmm. and we kind of get into, well, what is making you feel so stuck? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time it's the belief systems. And especially I find with women is they've had these belief systems growing up or pushed on to them. And then, you know, it's just a belief system. I personally really find value in coaching, being a mentor, being a coach, whatever you want to call that term. Because you're right, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say 
there are oftentimes people just need to be listened to, need to be heard, need to vent, whatever it yeah. is. And they need somebody that they have extreme rapport with, right? Exactly. And it's, it's funny because in today's day and age, we are so socially connected, but we are actually more disconnected than ever, right? So having that person to person, whether it's virtual or it, you know, yeah. physical, yep. it's vitally important. Absolutely. So you talked about habits. I really want to dissect that because mm-hmm. whether it's a mother or anybody else, habits are developed over the course of a lifetime, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, yeah. 50 years, whatever it is. So with your clients or with anybody, how would you start to start peeling the uh, layers, sorry, off of habits that have been in place for so long? Yeah. So a lot of the time, I guess we look at is how is that habit serving you? Because a lot of the time we may, you know, unconsciously know, like, I have this habit and I hate it, right? But we obviously do it for a reason. So let's figure out what does what is that serving to you? There is something that maybe it's um, a habit. Let's say something like quitting smoking, right? Mm-hmm. Someone says, like, I know it's very unhealthy. I don't want my kids to do it. I'm addicted. But there is some form there that's serving you to continue that habit. Mm-hmm. So let's peel that back. Same with... Um, You know, people will say, if I just lost the 10 pounds, I'd be happy. Okay, well, what's stopping you from losing that 10 pounds? I emotionally eat. Okay, so there's something that's emotionally triggering you. It's not the food. It's something in your life. Mm -hmm. So we're going to peel back of how that's serving you. And then we're going to figure out our brains like the same thing, over repetitive. That's comfort. So the first thing I need and I tell people is changing a habit is hard and it's going to take work and me telling you that eating better will make you feel better. You already know that. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Likewise with exercise, right? We all know it's good for us. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But change is hard and it's because we have the reticular activating system in our brain that doesn't, it's triggered when there's a sense of fear Or something like that. So change to our brain is abnormal. It's fear. So the first thing when you're going to change a habit, you have to recognize that you're going to feel really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be hard. But that's okay. Because if you're at the point where you are ready to change that, and that's that's the thing with a lot of clients. I'm like, are you ready to do the work? Are you ready to put these systems into place to change? Because... If you just want someone to vent to, that's okay too. But if you're ready to change, it's going to take work. So we kind of break that down. And I tell people all the time, pick one thing. Don't start with, I'm going to eliminate sugar. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to all this stuff, right? Because your brain's just like, boom. Yeah. (laughs) No, too much. So we start with one thing. So if it's um, emotional eating, things like that, it's like, well, let's pick one thing that you can replace that habit with. So if it's the first thing you do is you go to the cupboard. Okay, I want you to start with breathing. So before you go to that cupboard, put in a new habit of taking 10 deep breaths. And one thing I use with my clients all the time is um, our five senses. So if they're feeling overwhelmed and I say to them, you know, um, I get you can't just shut down at work. 
and meditate and shut off the world that or if you're a parent right and mm-hmm. you of course you can't just push your kids aside and sit there and be like i just need a moment be quiet yeah. right so the first thing you can do is just sitting in your chairs you can take deep breaths and like a lot of the time you see people breathing through their chest and they don't even realize they need to breathe through their bellies so i'll say let's notice the first thing is your breathing so change your breathing then you're going to use your eyes and you're going to pick out all the different things, all the different colors you see. So you can do this when you're driving as well. And then you're going to um, notice your smell. So your sense of smell, like what are you smelling? Feel the air going in and out. Sounds. Try and notice all the different sounds you hear. And then I want you to feel your body. What do you feel? If you're sitting in a chair, you feel the back of your legs in your chair, your feet on your floor. And that's just going to bring you back into your body and how you're actually feeling. Because a lot of the time... We feel these things, we're in the fight or flight, and we can't control it because our brain has switched on and the amygdala is just going crazy and wants to protect us. And we found something that makes us feel good. So we go to it. I love that. So basically, with your five senses, you're really, really practicing that mindfulness, really mm-hmm. putting yourself into the present. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I'll be honest, that's probably something I can. Uh, practice more often like uh, very often especially as a business owner my mind is always forward 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 Mm -hmm. right never stopping for a second to think hey what am I feeling right now Mm -hmm. when you were talking about changing habits you talked about pain we as a people no specific demographic just as a people we really have a poor relationship with pain we really fear it Mm -hmm. but the truth is to grow to move forward we do have to experience pain Like we're not talking about excruciating pain, but some level of pain. How do you treat that relationship with pain with your clients? Yeah, so, and I think that's where it comes into even habit changing. So that, you know, those growing pains, you know that's something that's going to happen. But how can we teach ourselves that it's because we want something? So, and that's like, we're reward driven, right? Yes. So if we can, every time we start to feel that pain, we feel that resistance, we feel that fight or flight kick in and go, no, I don't want to change. <laughs> I want to go back to feeling comfortable is affirmations. So you're, you, you know, you, you're looking at your goals, your intentions that are written down and you're going to remind yourself, I want this. This is what I see for my future this is how I see myself in the future. So when you're in that moment of pain, you see the future and you see yourself not in pain. And you and then you get that overwhelming feeling that even that release of oxytocin that goes like, oh yeah, that would be beautiful if I could get there. And then think that is what I want. And just kind of the neurons that fire together, right. wire together, right? Yeah. So the more you're thinking when you're in that moment of pain that fear of change is to go I have this goal this and say these affirmations if it's simply every day you're waking up and you're starting a new business and you have these fears and you go well money I can't quit my job I have kids what if this affects my relationship simply start with I am abundance every day you wake up and that's going to start your reticular active system is going to start to notice that that's safe that feels safe so when i'm thinking about this fear and this pain i'm starting to feel safe and these fears are kind of going back over here into a different filing cabinet great 
So let's really dig into this. I think this is going to be fun. When we talk about habits and, and goals and visions, we like to throw out terms like affirmation, sometimes visualization, uh, other methods like that. Yeah. Let's, if you were to help a client build out a, an affirmation type program, I, I, it doesn't necessarily need to be a full-blown program, but I think we are a little bit overwhelmed when we hear affirmation or visualization. We don't know how to put it into practice, right? Yeah. So you kind of mentioned doing it first thing in the morning, but how else could you do it? Would you do it, for example, five days a week, every every morning, five minutes a day? What would that look like to you? So again, going back to the pain uh, points is I've created a stop word for myself. So when I start going down that cycle of I'm not good enough or this isn't going to work out or oh, I have bad luck. I have a stop word and I've come up with one. It's pineapple. I don't know where don't that, know came, that, that came from one day. Um, but I, I use that word and I'll say it in my head like, and that stops those thoughts in its tracks. And it kind of like makes me laugh a little bit too. And then I go back to my affirmation. I am abundance. I am open. I am strong. And um, I know people can't see us right now, but I automatically sit up when I do that yeah. because it opens my body. Because when you're closed and you're fearful, you go back to that primal of make myself small. Actually, before you go on, they can see us because we're on video. That's right. So do you want to do that again? Just yeah. what are you doing? What are you physically putting out there? Yeah. So one of the biggest things I learned from actually my psychologist um, was how to properly sit and be open. So I plant my feet firmly on the floor. Um, I'll put my hands on my thighs, either up or down, and my shoulders down and back. And my chest open to you is showing you my power. And immediately we have those mirror neurons in our gut, which um, we can chat a little bit about later. Um, But it really kind of like shows you that I am strong and powerful. And if you've ever seen um, two animals in the wild that are going to fight, like rams or something like that, they're very powerful, right? posturing. Yes. So this posture, and I call it the superwoman one, sometimes you do your hands on your hips. So if you're feeling fearful, feeling those pain points, you can simply stand up at your desk anywhere and just kind of look around, notice the senses, and in your head just go, I am strong, I am fierce, I am abundant. And that physiology is going to change in your body. And again, it starts to move those negative thoughts out when you can overcome those. I mean, it's not always simple when, you know, something happens to your children or they're sick. It's easy to, you know, catastrophize things and go down that path. But you have that ability to change those thoughts. So even with people, they'll say, you know, well, what if, what if something happens and my child gets sick or something and I, and I can't think of anything. I tell them to kind of do a story. Worst case scenario, what will happen? How will you deal with it? Because your brain doesn't really like being in limbo or not knowing what's going to happen. So create the storylines. This could happen or this could happen or everything could be fine. Yeah. And when you kind of create those, it allows you to be calm and be in that moment. So... That's a big one. And it's a good practice, too, because I'm sure when you're creating those storylines, you often find that worst case scenario actually isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Um, and now going back to posturing, I 
I'm so fascinated by just the psychology behind it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that in communication, whether it's with somebody else or with yourself, 90% of communication is actually physical. It's body language. And only 10% are, are the actual words themselves. So if you're speaking these affirmations, but you have a slouched body language or or you don't believe it yourself or your mm-hmm. head's down, it's not going to be as effective. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And there's those people who you see, they walk into a room and without saying a word, you can feel their energy. And, you know, we can talk about energy yeah. too, but you can just see them. They walk into the room, their shoulders are down and back and you immediately kind of like sit up. And you don't even really know why, but mm-hmm. they've just kind of like brought that energy into the room and made you almost feel a little bit alive versus people who kind of like walk in, like slouch down, yeah. you know, you're kind of like, you're a little weary. And I feel like that's a very primal thing where animals would be the same. Whereas when they see someone who's a little unsure, they're a little unsure. So when you are feeling unsure yourself, the best thing you can do is build that strong posture to try and bring your own energy up to that level right so we've talked about negative habits already so kind of the the self-identification of habits and how you try to alleviate or get rid of them let's talk about creating new ones mm-hmm. so we've created these habits we've we've had these existing habits uh that have been with us for 10 20 30 years and we're starting to get rid of them mm-hmm. but at the same time we want to start building momentum on new ones what is your process for that? Yeah, so a habit can take 21 to 120 days to build, right? So again, you kind of have to, you have to be ready to change that habit. So we'll go back to again, January 1st. Of course, <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Always, right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I tell people is don't start with what you're going to eliminate because your brain immediately is like, that's a lot of change. I'm losing things. Let's work on rewards. So if you're going to start working out, don't, if you haven't worked out in a year, don't aim for seven days a week. (laughs) Pick a few things you enjoy. Maybe it's a sport or trying something new or even a couple days a week or yoga, something like that. And then gradually build on those because when you're building on those, those are rewards for you because you feel, okay, I've accomplished this. You check it off. That check, nothing feels better than those checking those things yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. So it's doing things like that. Same with meal planning. Everyone's going to cut out alcohol, sugar, complex carbs, you know, all of these things. When, how about we start with adding in lemon water to your morning, right? And making you feel refreshed when you get up. And then build on those habits. So you start with one, you nail that down, you've changed that. That feels amazing. You feel good. You feel alive again. Then you add in a new one and you build on those because when you just go and aim to build all these new habits, that's way too much overwhelm for your brain. As ambitious as it is, start with one and and keep building. Let's philosophize a bit. Okay. I like philosophy. (laughs) We on this show... We talk about all or nothing so, so, so much, right? So talking about those habits, it's never one habit. No, we want to change or pick up five or six or seven habits at once. I was watching a really interesting TED Talk yesterday, and he was talking about habits, and he asked the crowd, how many people in the crowd know that it's great to floss your teeth? All the hands go up. How many actually floss? 
two or three percent of the hands go up. Mm -hmm. So he suggested, why don't you start with this? On a nightly basis, floss one tooth. That's it. So one, one tooth. Yep. The next day, it might be two. Then it might be three. But it's very, very much the same philosophy. So let me ask you, as a coach, I'm sure you come across this all or nothing all the time. I'm not going to hold you to this answer. Nobody's going to hold you to this answer. Why do you think we have that mindset of all or nothing? I feel that people want to make a big impact and a big shift. So it's like weight loss. If it's not immediate, it's hard for people. If it's not completely eliminating sugar, then people feel that they, they'll just continue on that path. So one thing I talk a lot about with moms too is balance. So we, Mm -hmm. you know, we try and balance our life. But what I think people forget is not every day is it going to be 25% this, 25% that, because that's that aiming for everything to be perfect. So it's the same as when you're changing those habits. If your goal is to build your business and that's where you're going to go hard at, then let it be that. If your exercising falls a little bit to the wayside, that's okay. If you're communicating with your partner, you know, I'm going to really dive into my business this month. You may fall a little bit to the wayside, but I'm going to do my best. That's okay. It's the same as being a mom. Some days you play with your kids all day and it's awesome. Some days you feel like you hardly saw them. Mm -hmm. And maybe you focused on cleaning that day and that needed to be done we automatically go back to, but I didn't do everything. So that's not good enough. And if people can get into the mindset that you, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be a grid, you know, up and down, some's a little up, some's a little down and back and forth that you're still achieving. You're still moving forward. Then I think we can kind of get out of that mindset of, you know, all or nothing or on the bandwagon or off the bandwagon, right? Right. Because people feel that they look at somebody super successful. Um, and a big one actually um, kind of on social media right now was okay. J-Lo. Okay. And the comparison of yeah. she's 50 if she can look like that. Let's remember the money J-Lo has, the help she would have, the cooks, things like that. So women automatically will compare and say, well, I'm 20 and I don't look like that and start to feel really crappy about themselves. But they have to remember they have a lot more to balance with a lot less help. So if you want to look like JLo, some things are going to fall to the wayside while you're trying to do that. Same with fitness competing or things like that. So I just think people need to cut themselves some slack that it's not all or nothing, that it's a little bit here, a little bit there kind of back and forth. Absolutely. And I'm not going to go down the road of talking about social media. I feel like I do that on every episode. Mm-hmm. I've pooped on it enough, so I'm not <laughs> going to. So thank you for that because you've done it for me. Um, I think this is a perfect segue. You, you've talked about balance, finding that balance in between all or nothing. I believe that balance does, first, balance is very subjective. It's going to differ mm-hmm. from person to person, right? Depending on what their priorities are, where they are in life, etc. Um, but balance also requires a certain amount of self-awareness. Would you agree with that? Yes. 
self-awareness is one of those terms that is, I think, maybe too often thrown out there without education. Mm-hmm. I think it's, don't get me wrong, self-awareness is so, so crucially important. Mm-hmm. But when you tell somebody, oh, you need to be more self-aware, that doesn't mean anything. No. Do you yourself, whether it's with your clients or for yourself specifically, uh, do you have a practice where you um, get, become more self-aware or to help you become more self-aware? Yeah, so journaling is a big one for me. And I journal every morning. And that means getting up a little bit earlier to have a little bit of peace before the kids get up. And I journal. And I have a template that I follow because, again, if I don't follow the template, sometimes I can wake up and my vibrations are really low. And I've just woken up on the wrong side of the bed. It's very easy to get up and the rest of your day kind of follow through that. Like you spill your coffee or you hit all the red lights, right? But with journaling, you can kind of throw those negative ions out there. Okay, I'm going to start. If I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, why? Maybe it's I had a bad dream or, you know, I had a, a crappy sleep or whatever. So what I'll do is I'll acknowledge that. Like, I'm feeling this today. Um, possibly this is why, how can I change that? So I'll start writing out things that I know would make me feel good. So it might be having an extra coffee or something like that, or now I'm going to meditate or today I'm going to relax because my body's telling me that I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. I don't want to be burnt out. So journaling's a big one for me because I can kind of write those out and just get those thoughts out of my head, get them out there, get them down. And then I'll move to what am I grateful for? So it could be as simple as, you know, I woke up the other day and my son asked to snuggle and there was nothing better than that. So simple, something there, I smiled. That immediately brought my energy up, those vibrations up to bring me up a level. And then I'll move into, you know, my future self, which is one of the best things I've done in the last year. I start journaling my future self. And so I'll start with, Um, what my future self looks like. How will I feel in this future self? And that starts to kind of program your brain to think about going forward, envisioning your life and what it looks like. And that's that's been a game changer for me. I really like that. So um, just to give them some perspective, I don't want it to be just another thing on their task list. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to journaling, do you block off an certain amount of time what does that amount of time look like five minutes ten minutes five, sometimes five minutes yeah and that's a big one right mm-hmm. especially for moms or women who have to get up get their kids off to preschool and get to work right so if that means getting up five minutes earlier to have that self-awareness so that if you are starting your day a little off you can change those thoughts yeah i I recommend it. I'm so happy that you said five minutes mm-hmm. because I'm sure there are going to be listeners. You know, short of making that clarification, they're going to throw out that objection. Oh, man, I don't have an extra half an hour. Exactly. It doesn't have to be half an hour. No. And likewise with fitness, you know, of course, going back to the social media, mm-hmm. we, we are led to believe that it has to be 45 minutes or is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. No, five minutes, 10 minutes. Take what you can, right? Exactly. So... You have done some studies with the brain, uh, maybe not extensive, but I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit. I know that you've done a little bit of studies into neurolinguistics. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. 
I personally find that to be such a fascinating subject. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I studied, of course, when I did my degree, but um, one of the uh, times I found it most beneficial is when I did my yoga training. And then I started working with, when I was coaching hockey, I started working with um, the kids on uh, visualization. And it changed their game. And it was something so amazing to see and be able to explain to them that your brain doesn't know the difference between it's happening and you're thinking about it. Because if I say blue, you picture something blue, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times we'd be setting our goals before our games and stuff. And the kids would say, I'm not going to miss the net. So I say, well, when you say I'm not going to miss the net, do you picture scoring or do you picture missing the net? Mm -hmm. So it's all about changing your language. So we would make sure that all of our goals or our intentions were positive. They weren't, I'm not going to. It's going to be, I'm going to hit the net, make it reasonable. Not every time, that's Mm -hmm. okay, but set a reasonable goal. So I would actually get them to lay down or sit in their gear before their game. And I would go through exactly what they wanted to picture. So it would be like, you're going to feel your skates. You're going to feel the cold air. You're getting warm now. You picture passing to so-and-so, things like that. So then they could actually picture what was going on. And it would be amazing halfway through the game for one of them to turn around and say, I pictured that. And it happened. And that doesn't always happen. But again, the more the neurons fire together, they wire together, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are thinking abundance, it's easy to get into the mindset of, this always happens to me. I have bills, 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 bills. What usually happens? More bills come in, right? Mm -hmm. If you say, uh, you know, you're envisioning a white car that you really want, all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. It's not because all of a sudden everyone bought those cars around you. It's because that's what you're thinking and that's what you're attracting into your life. So it's the same with our words. If it's, I'm going to lose weight every time you look in the mirror, you're like, I hate the way I look. I hate this. All your body's doing is in that activation center in your brain. It's you're seeing those negative things. So that's what you want. It doesn't get that you don't want that. All it sees is I'm picturing that. So I'm going to bring more of that into your life. So it's changing your language. It's changing your, your visions, the way you, you know, your thoughts, your beliefs, right? Isn't that fascinating though? Like the brain cannot differentiate between subconscious beliefs and things that are actually happening, right? So you're suggesting that it's really just a process of reprogramming beliefs that have been ingrained in us for forever. Absolutely. Right? And it's so, so powerful that we can do this ourselves if we set the intention to it, right? Yes. And it's not as simple as a an, as an altruistic visualization, but you're, you're saying feel yourself in those skates. What Mm -hmm. emotions are you feeling when you do these things, right? And you can more or less trick your mind into believing that these things are happening or will happen for you. Yeah. So yeah, the more you can feel it physically and be into that moment, and that's where it comes to meditation too, right? And I always kind of joke when I do talks because when I talk about burnout, I'll say to women, so you're going to do these 10 extra things in your day because you have lots of extra time, right? And everyone kind of laughs. And I'd say, I'm not going to tell you to meditate for a half hour. I'm not going to tell you you need an hour at the gym. And you have to cook 
home-cooked meals every single night. I'm going to give you tools that you can implement, like we talked about earlier, just noticing your senses. You can do that when you're driving. Mm -hmm. That's meditating. And I think that's where people kind of get tripped up is in the all or nothing thought is I need to meditate, I need to work out, I need to eat healthy, I need to quit this habit in order to be my best self. And that's not true. Right. And that's where we all have to come to the realization that best is your best. Nobody yes. else is best, right? Um, yeah. But the problem is uh, Jane, the neighbor, lives this, you know, this elusive image of perfection that you should strive to, right? Mm-hmm. So, so even in that statement alone, right, should, you know, comparison, it puts us in a very, very difficult spot, yeah. does it not? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because we do gravitate towards on social media, things like that, is inspirational people. And in, instead of almost being inspired by them, we're comparing to them. And I'm not good enough unless I'm at that level. And a lot of the time when you kind of, you know, if you were to get to know that person, they, they have their own story. A hundred percent. And their own challenges and their everyday fears. But maybe they did put in the work or maybe they're doing it, right? So comparing you to someone who's here in their career where you might be here in the thick of it as a mom doesn't mean you're failing. Mm -hmm. You're just at different points. Right. There's a big difference between using somebody as a source of inspiration and using them as your measuring stick, mm-hmm. right? Or, or putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. But we often do that, you know, and, and it's just human nature. Uh, the, the more we can get away from that, uh, the better. I know sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah. Going back to something that you said a little bit earlier, um, when you said that some people, sometimes we just get into the mindset of, oh, this happened to me. I have this going on, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to touch on a little bit of what I perceive to be a sensitive topic, but playing the victim. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I completely understand bad things happen, right? It happens to everybody. I have bad things happen to me, but it affects people, some people more than others, right? You use the word catastrophize. When you start to see one of your clients heading down that route of playing the victim, how do you get them out of that? Because I ask that question because I think it's so, so important that we don't just don't play the world's smallest violin or what have you, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so I've had a client recently who had a lot of success, um, but she came from a very low point. And as she got up there, she said, I'm, I'm up here, but I know something's going to happen because I have this thought that Life just doesn't go that way for me. Wasn't it two days later, something happened. And she went down that spiral of, I knew this was too good to be true, I blah, blah, blah. And I think what happens is, is when we make these changes, if we're not fully committed to being open to these changes, we still have this lingering belief that I'm not good enough, I I don't deserve this. Then they hold on to that. And sometimes maybe they're not always being fully truthful when you're coaching them. So we kind of dive into a little bit more of we have to get into your fears. 
and we're going to dig deep into your fears and it's going to be uncomfortable. And when we dig into those fears, we go down those rabbit holes of, Mm -hmm. it's not always just think positive, right? Right. So we go down those rabbit holes of, okay, so what if that does happen? Okay, what if you do get fired? What if, what if? And we try and create the scenario, well, okay, I could get past it with this. And kind of play that devil's advocate a little bit with them to kind of, again, bring them back into that feeling of, I do have more control than I've than I think because I think when people play the victim they like to pull themselves out of control so I don't have control what happens in my life I don't have control of this so you know I'm the victim it's always going to happen to me but when you can put some control or some power into them to make them feel like I do have a little bit control because even if I do go down that road I'm going to be okay then it kind of builds on that resilience and that's what I think is very beneficial is when you can build resilience in people because a lot of the time, same thing on comparisons, is they'll go on social media, they're always happy. This person's always this. And oh, of course, they have the best luck. But they don't always have that. They just have resilience. So it, resilience doesn't come from always having good things happen to you. It comes from being able to pull yourself out of those holes. Right. Resilience comes from bouncing back and you can't bounce back from only good things, right? Exactly. As a coach, it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. When you're asking these what ifs, you're really helping your clients see the biggest picture possible. Because sometimes we get into a a mode where we're just looking through the narrowest lens, right? Mm -hmm. So by asking these questions, you're giving them more perspective, now, this is very, very biased because I personally believe that perspective is the most valuable thing you can have. Mm-hmm. So for me, for instance, I love to volunteer. I put in my time. I give back quite a bit. That's not a humble brag. I do it, and I'm, tell- I'm going to tell you why. When people ask me why I volunteer so much, I tell them that it's almost selfish why I volunteer, which sounds ridiculous because I'm giving my time. But really, when I volunteer, I am reminded of how much I have, Mm -hmm. all the luxuries that I have, whether it's a roof over my head, a meal every single, well, whenever I want to eat, Mm -hmm. right? Where, you know what? There are so many people here in the city that don't. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about perspective. Is there anything that you do to either A, get perspective for yourself or to help your clients or B, help your clients get perspective? Yeah, so one big one is people will say they'll, they'll, they're having trouble or something or fear and they'll say, but I know someone has it worse. That doesn't diminish the trouble you're going through. And I think that's what can happen is people don't deal with those fears or those roadblocks they have because they go, well, someone has it worse, so I just need to get over it and be more positive. If that was the case, we'd all do it, right? It's being able to take your perspective in your own in your own life, in your own world, right? So, you know, it's like when you're going through school and you complain and then your parents say, well, wait till you're older, and then that's real life problems. But to you right then, Mm-hmm. That is a real life problem, right? So we need to make sure that we're keeping perspective in our own world. So I like to call it the window of tolerance. So 
where would it your life be intolerable for you? Are you there? Are you comfortable? Or are you on your way up? So you want to stay within that window and think about, again, your future self or all those fears where you wouldn't want to be. And you find that window of tolerance. And then you, that puts it in perspective for you because, yes, this is where I want to be. This is where I'm afraid to be. What can I do in between here to keep that either that happy medium or keep moving forward? But like you said, it's easy to go, you know, I'm grateful because someone has it worse than me. But maybe let's see, I'm grateful because and pick a small thing that's in your life to give you perspective of where you were as a person as opposed to the comparison. And it is, of course, great, you know, to be grateful for everything you have. And when you kind of start to, you know, take things for granted, of course, but try not to compare too much because then you kind of put that shame and that guilt in yourself of, I should just be grateful for my life, right? That's a great clarification. I really like that actually, because you're not just saying get perspective for perspective's sake, but contextualize it to your life. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay, you're, you've talked about future looking, and I'm going to deviate just a little bit. Yep. You have become a coach as a result of your experience, of your wanting to help. Mm-hmm. So you've coached other women. You've helped other people be comfortable and confident in their own situations. But I know that you also do it for another reason. You've got two kids. Yes. Right? So whether it's exercise, whether it's nutrition whatever habits that you're, that you're building today, you're very much doing it to set a good example, to be a good role model for them. Yeah. I want you to elaborate into that. Or sorry, elaborate that uh, a train of mind. Let's talk about your kids. Do you see, sorry, do you see your practices influencing them? Absolutely. One of the biggest ones that uh, I've imp- implemented with them is breathing. So when... When we're up here and angry and overwhelmed and our kids are up here having those tantrums, we can't bring them down if we're up here. So sometimes it is taking a second away from them to calm yourself down, do your own breathing. And they're watching, even though they might be having a tantrum, they're watching. So now that they're a little bit older, they're four and five almost, is we get them to take their deep breaths. And it's super cute. My son, mm-hmm. he'll do it. And he's like, ooh, ooh, and gets this little voice going, which actually even his his voice is triggering that, that vagal tone that's actually going to calm him down. But he takes those deep breaths. And he can then learn to regulate his emotions. And that was so like amazing to see. And I felt so proud. And then same with my daughter. She... My son's very outgoing. My daughter's a little bit more reserved. So I often talk to moms about when they say, like, I want to go to the gym, but, you know, I I have this mom guilt or whatever. Or, like, I don't go out with friends because I have this mom guilt. And I say, would you want your kids to be social and enjoy going out? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, how do you think they're going to learn that? By seeing their mom go out and enjoy things or go with friends or things like that. So... And I also heard, um, I forget which podcast it was, but um, someone said, loving our kids is not enough. We owe it to them to chase our dreams, to be our best self so that they will follow along. And that 
hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, because even I found with my business or coaching, I had doubts that, you know, well, what if I can't help someone? What if, you know, nutritionally, what if, what if I don't give them the right advice? Right. But if my kids came to me and they had those concerns of, well, what if I'm not good enough? I'll say, but what if you're really great? Mm -hmm. But I want them to see me doing the same thing. And they emulate what you do, not what you say. So to me, that was my biggest motivation for you better chase your dreams. Because if you want them to chase theirs, you need to lead the way for them. And I did. And I felt this whole new sense of confidence because um, I made a post a little while ago. I hated talking in front of people. I would avoid things at all costs. If you asked me to come on a podcast, I would have came up with every excuse in the book of what I would have said yes. And then I would have came up with every excuse because my fears would start to take over. And I did the work to get there to where when I was on CTV, I felt confident to do it. And it was a lot of changing my beliefs reversing that fear, doing fear setting. What if I do go on CTV and I freeze? Then you freeze, but you move on. So I did the work and I couldn't be more proud to now share it with my kids to be able to, when they have these fears or the, you know, different beliefs and things like that. And I hope they have different beliefs than me. I don't, I don't want them to be mini versions of me. I want them to sit at the head of their own table, but have that confidence to do it. And when they do have those fears, that's okay too. But to build resilient kids who can lead their own lives, well, that will make me the most proud. <laughs> no, we really do fall victim to the what ifs and I like what you said earlier, what if you're brilliant, right? But mm -hmm. we always turn those what ifs into something really, really negative. And going back to the kids, I love that philosophy, the way that you're you're raising them because for better or worse, kids are sponges, mm -hmm. you know, good or bad, right? Yeah. And the, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're like 25 to 30. So yeah, yeah they will do what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so... Let's assume that somebody's listening to this and they love what Laura had to say and they're looking for Laura. Where can they find Laura? Uh, so I guess uh, through Instagram seems to be where I get a lot of um, communication from people. I'm almost done completing my website, but I do have an email, which is lauradavieshealth at gmail.com. But um, yeah, I will have a website up and running very shortly where people can purchase meal plans or um, book consults or discovery calls and stuff. But if you email me, we can book a free, like a complimentary discovery calls to see if one, we're a right fit for each other or where I can guide you to somebody that would be a good fit for you. So 
that's where people can contact me. That's fantastic. And so it sounds like what's imminent for you is the website that's being built. You just recently released the mom code. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, Want to take a quick second to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So I open the doors for two weeks and I do my calls in there because same thing. Want to make sure it's the right fit for you. And then um, I'll close registration. And I don't like to have too, too many people in the group because, again, I want to be able to connect with them a lot more one-on-one. So right now, registration is open. And then I'll close the doors. And so, yeah, the mom code is um, we kind of take over everything. So it does include fitness, nutrition, all of that. But um, you'll do modules through it. So, again, I don't want people to worry that it's going to be more homework. It's just it's diving into a lot of things we chatted about today. So if you're ready to make a change, it is a little bit of work. You do sign up for something to do a little bit of work. So the fear setting, changing your beliefs, things like that, Um, working on mom guilt, navigating that. We do one-on-one calls every two weeks. And then every week we do a live uh, mom chat. So everyone in the group gets to come on. You can be on video or we do it on Zoom. Don't be on video, talk, don't talk if you just want to listen. But we kind of just have like a chat. Um, We talk about mom struggles, funny stories, things like that. And then, um, yeah, so it's 10 weeks long. And it's just to help you implement all of these things we kind of chatted about today Mm -hmm. into your life without feeling like, well, I started meditating and working on it, right? It's to help you implement those into your life as a mom and make them attainable great yeah okay so i'm excited for this answer if somebody is living an evolved life mm-hmm. what does that look like to you hmm i guess i would go back to myself a little bit so when i was doing my uh future journaling it was living without sounding cheesy living my truth so it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows it wasn't um all abundance right it was I'm doing the work and I'm ready to do more work and it's building resilience to know that whatever life throws at you you can handle and you have the tools. I don't think that's cheesy at all. <laughs> I think that's extremely powerful and a message that people need to hear. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of My Evolved Life. Guys, if you found any value at all, and I'm sure you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, or you want to be a guest or recommend a guest, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at EvolutionVN. Oh, if you think your friends would enjoy this podcast, please make sure to share it with them. Until next time, live your evolved life.